That was a precious time, seeing those kids and those families that way. And, you know, the cool thing is, is they didn't just walk in here. They go here. This is the opportunity we get to minister and encourage and walk with them every single day. So, church, thank you in uh, being committed to the Lord and then committed to the families that uh, he brings to us. I ask you to take your Bible and turn to Exodus chapter 1. Exodus chapter 1. If you're in that pew Bible, it's going to be on page 61. We're going to spend just a minute here and kick off in Exodus chapter 1, and then we're going to sort of wander through Scripture for just a few moments talking about mothers. Exodus chapter 1, picking up in verse 22. You can put your finger there. I will join you there in just a moment. I read this story recently. I think I had seen it before in the past, but out of the French Revolution came a story of a mother who wandered through the woods for three days with her two children, trying to survive on roots and leaves. On the third day, she heard some soldiers approaching and quickly hid herself and the children behind some bushes. The sergeant in charge noticed the movement, so he prodded the bushes to see what was stirring behind them. When he saw the starving woman and children, he had compassion on them and immediately gave them a loaf of brown bread. The mother took the bread eagerly, broke it into two pieces, and gave one piece to each of the two children. And the sergeant noted that she kept none for herself. A soldier asked, is it because she is not hungry? No, the sergeant said, it is because she is a mother. Read a Spanish proverb that says this, an ounce of mother is worth a pound of clergy. Mother's Day is a tremendous day where we get to recognize the effort of mothers. Happy Mother's Day again to you. My mother would be 80 today if she were still alive. She's been in heaven with Jesus for over 25 years now. My mother loved me no matter what I did. No matter what I said, no matter where I went, she just loved me. My mother showed me her love in many ways. Through her sacrifice for me was the lingering reminder of the greatest way I saw her love for me. When I moved out after college, she and I agreed. Now, this is before cell phones. This is before texting. It was before all this stuff. And you're going, yeah, you're actually old, and I'm getting there more and more. But we agreed that we would talk to each other every Thursday night at least. And we would take turns calling each other because if you were in the 80s like that, when you called long distance, you had to pay for it. Every minute you were on the phone cost you more. And so we would take turns calling because neither one of us had a lot. Neither one of us wanted the other one paying for everything, but neither one of us wanted to not spend time catching up with each other. Well, my mother called me years after that, but about 27 years ago, and Angela and I were living in South Carolina, and uh, she said, I need you to do something for me. Now, listen, when your mother asks you to do something for you, you don't even really have to know what it is before you say yes. But I said, yes, anything you need. She said, I need you to come. We were living in Columbia, South Carolina. I need you to come to Johnson City. I need you to come home, and I need you to help me plan my funeral details. Uh, my mother's brain cancer had continued to progress, and uh, I went, and we did it all, down to the songs and her funeral, and we talked about everything the whole time, just me and her, had all this time. 
and my mother loved me. Now, she loved my sisters as well, but they always believed I was her favorite, and I agree with them. <laughs> After her passing, and during the part of her estate handling, I was also her executor, I found a small life policy tucked away in a little file, and uh, I pulled it out, and she had uh, written a note on it in my mother's writing on this little piece of paper she had taped on there, because I don't think we were even doing post-it notes much. And the quote was this. She said, I know this is not much, but I hope it helps. Even in death, my mother reminded me of her love and her sacrifice for me. Mother's Day is a great day. I don't want to bring us down. Listen, those are pleasant memories to me because I have hope because my mom was in, is with the Lord. And she showed me and she taught me and she marked me while it was just for the first 31 years of my life. She did that in my life. Mother's Day is a good day to review and be reminded of the characteristics and the traits that are shown by mothers to their children, and we're going to use Scripture to be able to do that today. So I ask you to stand with me. We're going to read from Exodus chapter 1. I'm going to read Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, and then we're going to keep going into Exodus chapter 2, and uh, I'm going to read the first four verses. Exodus chapter 1, verse 22 says this, So Pharaoh commanded all his people, saying, Every son who is born you shall cast into the river, and every daughter you shall save alive. And a man of the house of Levi went and took as wife a daughter of Levi. So the woman conceived and bore a son, and when she had saw that he was a beautiful child, she hid him three months. But when she could no longer hide him, she took an ark of bulrushes for him, daubed it with asphalt and pitch, and put the child in it, and laid it in the reeds by the river's bank. And his sister stood afar off to know what would be done to him. Thank you. You may be seated. You can keep your scripture open right here for just a minute. As I mentioned, we're going to be looking at characteristics and traits of moms, and so I'm going to be taking you a few places. Your call to action should have some note places on there where you can write these scriptures down, or if you're Sharon Cochran or anybody else in the room, if you want to try to keep up with me, you just come right on, okay? You remember the other few weeks ago, I looked up all these scriptures, and I told you I was in... Uh, uh, Bible drills, and I can really, I've learned when I was a child to manipulate God's Word. Well, Sharon was in Bible drills too in her part of the state, and she said, I kept up with you all day. Listen, the more we learn and memorize God's Word, the better off we will be. Amen? All right. So today, we're going to quickly review some of the not-so-famous biblical mothers and allow God's Word to teach us their important motherly traits. And as we just read, we're going to start with Jochebed. Now, you're going, it didn't say her name was Jochebed, but if you keep reading that story, Exodus chapter 6, verse 20, Moses' mother is named Jochebed. And Pharaoh, as we've studied, and I'm just giving you the summary, was killing all the Israelite babies because Israel was growing like crazy while they were enslaved in Egypt. And Moses' mother hid him and then sent him off in an ark in the bulrushes. And you're going, what's her motherly trait? Well, her motherly trait was protection. She did what she felt needed to be done to protect his life. A godly mother, Scripture teaches us, protects 
her children. Think for just a moment about how your mother may have done things, said things, or uh, you know, acted in ways to protect you. Now, another woman that we're going to talk about, and if you want to write this down, I'm already there. First Kings chapter 3, picking up in verse 16. Now, in the Pew Bible, it's on page 388. And if you don't want to go on a, a hunt with me, if you grab that Pew Bible, I've got all the page numbers picked out for you right there, too. But in 1 Kings chapter 3, let me read verses 16 to 27. 1 Kings chapter 3, starting in verse 16. It says, Now two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. That's King Solomon. And one woman said, Oh, my Lord, this woman and I dwell in the same house, and I, and I gave birth while she was in the house. Then it happened the third day after I had given birth that this woman also gave birth. And we were together, and no one was with us in the house except the two of us in the house. And this woman's son died in the night because she lay on him. She arose in the middle of the night and took my son from my side while your maidservant slept and laid him in her bosom and laid her dead child in mine. And when I arose in the morning to nurse my son, there he was, dead. But when I have examined him in the morning, indeed, he was not my son whom I had born. Then the other woman said, No, but the living one is my son and the dead one is your son. And the first woman said, no, but the dead one is yours, and the living is mine. Thus they spoke before the king. And King Solomon said, verse 23, this is the, the one, and the king said, the one says, this is my son who lives, and your son is the dead one. And the other says, no, but your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. You see the situation here. Then the king said, bring me a sword, so they brought a sword before the king, and the king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to one and half to the other. Then the woman whose son was living spoke to the king, for she yearned with compassion for her son, and she said, Oh, my Lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, Let, let him be neither mine nor yours, but divide him. So the king answered and said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is his mother." Look in verse 27, it says, Solomon knew by what he tested them which one was the mother. Solomon knew that a real mother's traits come out. She was not willing to see her child killed. She would rather let him go. The motherly trait of sacrifice. My mother taught me a lot about sacrifice. Perhaps your mother did by the choices that she made or the things that she showed you. A godly mother is willing to sacrifice nearly everything for her children. Now, in 1 Kings chapter 17, we read about a mom whose name goes by the widow of Zarephath. It's on page 411 in the Pew Bible there, but in 1 Kings chapter 17, we read about a mother, picking up in verse 8, 1 Kings chapter 17, verse 8. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. See, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. So he arose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, indeed a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her and said, Please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, he called to her and said, And please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, As the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, 
Only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and then die. And Elijah said to her, do not fear. Go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me and afterward make some for yourself and for your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day of the Lord sends rain on the earth. And so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and he and her household ate for many days. You see the picture there. She's gathering for the last meal. They have very little. They run into Elijah, the prophet of God, and he says, I need some water and food. She says, I don't have any food. And he says, do not fear. Do as the Lord says. Trust him, feed me first. Verse 15 says she did according to his word. Her motherly traits were a couple here, I believe. She trusted God. A mother who trusts God is a powerful tool. And she was also obedient to what God said. A trusting mother and an obedient mother is a godly mother. Now, in 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha runs into a widow. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1, that's on page 424 in the Pew Bible. But let me read to you about this mother. 1 Kings, said that wrong, 2 Kings chapter 4, pick it up at verse 1. Thank you for turning. I'm going to wait just a second. Those pages are encouraging sounds. 2 Kings chapter 4. Picking up in verse 1. All right, says this. A certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to Elisha, saying, Your servant, my husband, is dead, and you know that your servant feared the Lord, and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves. So Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me what you have in the house. And she said, Your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil. Then he said, go and borrow vessels from everywhere, from all of your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather just a few. And when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all the vessels and set aside the full ones. So she went from him and shut the door behind them and her sons and brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another vessel. So the oil ceased. Then she came and told the man of God, and she said, Go sell the oil and pay your debt that you and your sons may live on the rest. Now, that's a miracle of God. This mother was going to lose her sons because of her indebtedness at this time. And Elisha told her to work. Work. A godly mother works hard. Now, I didn't say that a godly mother was employed because many godly mothers are employed, some aren't. But all mothers who are godly work hard. My mother worked every day. I remember growing up, she would go to work every day, and then she'd work a second job at home. And then when Christmas time would come, my mom would take on a third job, and she would work during the night at times to make extra money to be able to provide a good Christmas for me and my two sisters. 
A godly mother works hard. Thank you, Mom, for working hard. Now, if you go all the way over to Matthew chapter 20, Matthew chapter 20, I'll show you another motherly trait that Scripture teaches us. You go to Matthew chapter 20, you're going to go to verse 20. You're in the Pew Bible, it's on page 1136. Matthew chapter 20. Thank you for turning. If you're at home, I hope you have your Bible open and are turning there as well. But in Matthew chapter 20, picking up in verse 20, we read this. Then the mother of Zebedee's sons came to him with her sons, kneeling down and asking something from him. Now, this is the mom of James and John coming to talk to Jesus. Verse 21, and he said to her, what do you wish? And she said to him, grant that these sons may sit one on your right hand and the other on the left in your kingdom. But Jesus answered and said, you do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink and be baptized into the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said to him, we are able. So he said to them, you will indeed drink, indeed drink my cup and be baptized with the baptism which I am baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is prepared by my Father. Let's keep reading. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so with you, but whoever desires to become great among you let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. Now you're going, what motherly trait could this be? She just brought her two sons and said, Jesus, I want you to make my sons more important than anybody else. Well, for starters, Matthew chapter 27, verse 56 tells us that this mom's name, the mom of James and John, is Joseph, okay? And she asked Jesus to allow her sons to be on the right hand and the left hand of Jesus in the kingdom of heaven. This mother may have put her boys in a tough spot. As we read, they didn't, the other disciples didn't really like hearing <coughs> of that request. You're going, what's the motherly trait here? I believe that Joseph wanted the best for her children. And she knew that the best thing for her children was Jesus. Now, did she go about it the right way? Maybe, maybe not. But her desire and her passion for her children to have the best thing, I think, is a great, great uh, motherly trait. And this mother knew that the best thing for her children was Jesus. Now, we just read, I'm just going to say this scripture to you. Uh, we just read from John chapter 6. We talked about it just a few weeks ago. This is about the feeding of the 5,000. And do you remember that it came late in the day and the disciples said, Jesus, send them away. They need to eat. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. And Andrew went and he sort of looked around. And you remember we talked about this one boy who came and he said, I've got five loaves and two fish. You know, I want to put that mother up for mother of the year. Out of that many people. Now, maybe some people had food and they just didn't, weren't taught to share it. But this mom 
prepared for her child and sent him there, and she had taught him to share. This mom, to me, could be mom of the year. Her traits were preparation, thinking ahead, planning ahead, reminding her children how they need to act when the appropriate time comes. Mother of the year, that child's mom. Now, you turn to Acts chapter 12. We see another trait of a mom. Acts chapter 12. It's going to be on page 1,268 in the Pew Bible. Now, I want to encourage you to take time to read more of the Scripture. If you're looking it up, make a mark there, make a note there so you can go back and study this more because I'm just barely touching the surface, surface of these characteristics of a mom. But in, when you get to Acts chapter 12, pick it up in verse 5, we find that Peter is in prison for his sharing of the gospel and that uh, God delivers Peter and the gates open and they let him out and Peter comes to himself in the middle of the road. And you can read all that in Acts chapter 12. But what I want to show you is what Peter does afterwards. In Acts chapter 12, verses 11 and 12, and when Peter had come to himself, he's standing in the street, he said, now I know for certain that the Lord has sent his angel and has delivered me from the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the Jewish people. So when he had considered this, he came to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose surname was Mark, where many were gathered together praying. Now, you know this story. They're praying for Peter's release. Peter gets released. He goes to the door, knocks on the door, Rhoda, the, the, the helper girl, comes and she sees Peter there and she runs back inside and leaves Peter on the porch. You guys know this story, right? You know, this story doesn't happen unless Mark's mom, Mary, doesn't show hospitality. Right? You can come to my house. We can have a prayer meeting at my house. Hospitality. And also, think about Mary. She said, and not only, but we're going to come over and we're going to pray because it's night. It's way late and they're praying. So this mom not only shows hospitality, but she is a prayer warrior. Now, my mother-in-law is probably the most hospitable person I know. The whole time I've known her, which has been a lot of years now, do you know that there's always room for one more chair? Always room for one more person. Always room. You know, hospitality is not something that everybody has. But moms, many times, have a hospitality trait where they're willing to just take care of people. And then praying. I bet you that there is someone, if not many someones in here, whose mama prayed for you and prayed for you and prayed for you and prayed for you. Whether she was praying for you to come through something good, whether she was praying for you to do something right, whether she was praying for you as you were in a time of challenge. Moms, godly moms, they pray. And they pray. And they pray. Let me give you one more. 2 Timothy chapter 1. When you get to 2 Timothy chapter 1, we're going to go to verse 5. Paul is writing to Timothy, his young um, protege in the ministry. 
and he's writing to Timothy this second letter. When you get to 2 Timothy chapter 1, let's look at verse 5. Paul says, when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, he's remembering the faith that is in Timothy, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, I am persuaded is in you also. Paul is saying, the faith that you have, I see the family tree. You got your faith from your mama, and your mama got your faith, got her faith from her mama. You have these wonderful ladies of faith working and speaking. And so the godly traits are faith and teaching. Faith and teaching. Let me just summarize these. I wrote them down right here all together. A godly mom, protection, sacrifice, trust, obedience, hard work, wants the best for her children, prepares, hospitable, prayer warrior, faith, and teaching. Today, we have seen how God has used mothers throughout time to shape and influence his plans and his people. I pray that you will take time this day and in the days ahead to allow God to do one of these things with you. One, shape you as a parent, a mother, or father to be more like Christ. Now, it would be easy now that in the last 20 months, I have gotten a uh, grandchild. So allow God to shape you as a grandparent as well. You know, I pray for lots of things, but I pray for my granddaughter, and I pray that I will have the ability to be an influence for Christ in her life. So allow God to shape you as a parent or a grandparent to be more like Christ. Pray that we will allow God to shape you as a child. And I'm not just talking about people that we had here in the parent-child dedication. You know, we're all children. You know, my Mom didn't stop being a mom when I got older. She was my mom until she went to be with the Lord. My dad doesn't stop being a dad. He's still there. Young or old, allow God to shape you and be a child more like Christ. And to shape you as a family. You know, Mother's Day, there are families gathered together here. I see you sitting in groups. We had people here. This is the time to commit to allow the Lord to shape you as a family to be more like Christ. In our church family and the families we know, we likely have parents or children or families that are struggling. That struggle can end today if we allow God to have control of us through our relationships with Jesus Christ. We know people whose Mother's Day is a hard day. We need to love them, walk with them, encourage them any way that we can. And if you do not know Jesus as your Savior today, today is a good day to make that important, eternal decision. That invitation is specifically for you. If you're a parent, child, or family that needs to be closer to God, this invitation and altar are going to be open for you as well. Please allow God to do something brand new in your life, beginning right now. Godly moms, what a gift from God. Amen.